0: Hockey fans, and welcome back to RotoWire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ Friends. I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co host is AJ Schultz, a great follow at AJ 24 He's based in beautiful Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. That's very close to RotoWire headquarters over in Madison, Wisconsin. And, uh, It's going to be a busy place the rest of the week with the hockey trades that we anticipate between now and Monday. And that's going to certainly be a focal point of our show today, where we try to take a look in advance to see who might be the buyers and sellers and who's really going to be available as things heat up toward that outcome. And we already saw a few trades this week. One happened just as we went to air today that AJ filled me in on. So AJ, why don't you lead us into the deals and uh, I will uh, have my own rebuttal.
1: Yeah, I'll start with the the one you mentioned, too, the the first uh, or the trade that just happened right before we kick this off. Frank Vitrano going to the Rangers uh, from Florida in exchange for a 2022 fourth round pick. Um, I mean, for, you know, no players coming back for Florida. So obviously the key here is clearing some some salary cap space. They are obviously going to be in on, you know, some more deals here in the upcoming uh upcoming trade deadline Uh, we'll talk more about what we might think is headed what way uh when we get to florida here but as far as the trade goes you know they only have one pick in the first three rounds um at the time they only had two picks in the first four rounds next year so it'll get them one more here and the rangers actually already had uh two fourth round picks theirs and, and winnipeg so um Trading from a place of strength for, for the Rangers there, obviously. And I think a good deal for both sides. I would expect Toronto could maybe even push, uh, you know, like a Dryden Hunt for a second line roll in that one. So overall, I think this is a good deal for both sides. It sets up some uh, more potential moves uh, down the road. Well, it certainly
0: does. And it gives me an idea that some teams are going to follow suit in terms of trying to clear salary and look for pl- players that might be attractive to other teams and then make space where they can do some more damage. So I really like the way this trade sets up actually for both teams. It helps the Rangers, as you said, with their depth chart, but certainly clears some space at the other end for Florida, and we know they're going to be active at the trade deadline. This is a clear signal, and uh, we might expect one Claude Giroux to be one of their targets, and we'll get into several of those, AJ. But uh, Colorado did make a couple of moves. They're another team that's been linked to the aforementioned Giroux, and so it's kind of topical, and a nice segue by me unintentionally, but here will <laughs> those two deals, partner. Colorado trading Tyson Yost to Minnesota for Nico Sturm, and uh, this was clearly a deal where – Colorado has been holding on to Tyson Yost and waiting for for him to develop, but he kept falling further and further down the depth chart. I understand, and you may correct me if I'm wrong, that he has ties to the uh, state of hockey, and uh, Sturm coming back the other way is more of a, a depth piece and, uh, and and one of those space-creating situations for Colorado. And they follow that up I, I I guess we can touch on the first deal that kicked off the frenzy this year and that's trading Drew Hellison plus a 2023 second round pick to Anaheim for Josh Manson a very highly coveted defenseman who is going to augment the top four in Colorado making them rock solid back there. I love the depth on this blue line and they that is a, a tough physical player who has a scoring upside as well. So he'll fit right in to the Colorado mix. And I think a a great couple of moves for Colorado, but uh, I'm sure they're not done yet. Uh, What do you think about these two deals?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, with the Yoast move, uh, it's also a a contract savings this year. Uh, Nico Sturm, significantly cheaper. I think think it's like 1.25, somewhere in that range, the difference between the two deals. Um, So a little bit more cap flexibility here. Sturm will also give them uh, some added um, height on the on the bat on the bottom of their lineup. He's 6'3", mm-hmm. so you're not going to miss him anytime soon. Uh, so yeah, they'll add some physicality in that sense. Yost, I think for him, it's a good move to try something different. Uh, hasn't really been working out great in Colorado there. Um, and then yeah, you mentioned the the Johns Manson acquisition. Uh, I I think is a great move for Anaheim. You know, not that you want to lose a guy like Josh Manson, but they get a second round pick, uh, which, you know, should parlay into a decent player. And then they actually signed Drew Hellison right away to a three-year entry-level deal. So they made sure to shore him up right away without having uh, to to worry about that. So uh, I like the move, adding a a player, collegiate player in Hellison they get a pick and then yeah as you said Manson would be great for uh, um great for Colorado in their back end which you know the only the one interesting thing there is obviously it's not something that we necessarily would have thought that they would look for but you've got Bowen Byram who's been out for a while and then Sam Garrard, also dealing with an injury i think if both of those players were available I'm not sure Colorado would have necessarily been in on Josh Manson. That's just my take on it.
0: That's a very interesting take, AJ. And, you know, I, I hearken back to previous playoff runs where teams and a lot of managers say that it's a war of attrition, this two-month two run in the, in the playoffs, and you want to have depth at every position, particularly on the blue line. And uh, they say that they like to have – Contending teams really should aim to have eight serviceable pieces among their defensive components. And and so maybe that's the way Colorado is looking at this. They're expecting a long run, and they want to bolster themselves for that. And uh, that's why maybe they brought the guy in. But it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't the biggest need that I think this team has, and I think they'll fill that in coming days. AJ, there were a couple of other issues that don't really relate to the trade deadline, but one really caught my eye, and that was – the return of Jack Eichel to Buffalo. Now, let me set the stage. I'm a wrestling fan, too. And, <laughs> and his outburst at the end of a game where where the Sabres really took, uh, took care of Las Vegas and they really didn't welcome Eichel back, he took the opportunity at the end of the game to say words to the effect that it took this team, this fan base, seven years to get really excited about hockey. And it was all about his return. To the to the stadium and where he spent his first several years of his career, and he said he w- things might have turned out differently if they were that loud and that boisterous in the in the years that he was with the team. So it was a real cheap shot of the fans, and I thought it was important to call that out in in uh, this part of the show. Age, I didn't really appreciate that aspect that came across. More like, a, like I say, a wrestling promo than anything else. But a broadside against one of the league's best fan bases is something that I really didn't like. And that's what I wanted to call out today. I know things aren't good in, in Las Vegas right now. They're on a long losing streak, and it could cost them a playoff spot. But this was not the way to vent. And, and it's a bad look on Eichel, I think.
1: Well, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate here and just maybe make the argument that it wasn't intended necessarily as malicious. I mean, you're talking about uh, a guy that had been booed the entire game when he touched the puck, which, you know, fans prerogative. I, I don't begrudge them that. Um, and you know, you want to talk about wrestling promos, you're talking about a fan base in the Bills mafia that like jumps through tables all the time. So, I mean, maybe. Uh, you know, maybe both sides see it more as like a less of a shot across the bow and more of just friendly, uh, friendly banter back and forth. I, I think that's the way I kind of observed it. I, I didn't think his comments were necessarily malicious in intent. Now, I could certainly see if you know if people in Buffalo are were offended by that, why they would have taken it that way. Um, but I, I don't believe that there was necessarily a malicious intent to the comment. Uh, especially with how vehemently they booed him every time that they touched the park.
0: Well, it's going to guarantee that he gets that same kind of reception for the rest of his career when he goes back to the queen city. And uh, I'll be watching for that down the road. The third topic that I wanted to touch on AJ is uh, more impactful. on in my neck of those where Austin Matthews, clearly uh, the signature player on Maple Leafs received a two game suspension for his participation in an altercation with Rasmus Dalin where he struck Nalin with a cross check to the neck, certainly a, a, a serious foul, but it was preceded by a pushing and shoving match that included a lot of contact between these two guys, including a couple of ch- cross checks to the body by Dalin So he was no means by no means an innocent party in this, and and Matthews is certainly responsible for his stick and deserving of a suspension, but I was surprised that Darlene didn't even get a minor penalty for his part of the issue, and incidentally, uh, uh, the early returns are positive here in Toronto. They played their first game without Matthews, and they have a 65% win percent percentage in Matthews' career when he's out of the lineup. I don't know if I want to test that long term, <laughs> but uh, certainly on, uh, in their first game without him in this two-game stretch, John Tavares rose to the occasion and will have more to say about his uh, performance in that game and the outlook for this team the rest of the week. But what say you about that altercation on uh, in the Heritage Classic?
1: Yeah, um, I, I think your perception might be slightly tainted by uh, your your home location there being uh, in proximity to Toronto. But um, I guess I'll put it this way. I'm not surprised that they didn't give – Dowling Dal- a suspension, but I also wouldn't have been surprised if they had given him a suspension. I'm even looking for a penalty, though. There was not even a minor penalty. That more Well, they, if more we're than... talking missed penalties, they probably should have hit Matthews with a misconduct. for. Well, true. True. So, I mean, penalties were missed on both sides with that. And then, you know, we complain about them not letting guys play. And then when they do let them play, we complain about missed calls. So uh, the refs are in a tough spot here. I will say, if they gave Darlene a one game, even a one game suspension, I almost feel like they would have had to up Matthews to like three games so that his suspension was two more than Darlene. So, from that standpoint, maybe it's better off they didn't suspend both guys.
0: No, I get that. I, I was just looking for a minor penalty, at least for Darlene instigating the whole escapade. And the. Uh, you know, might've helped the outcome, who knows, but it was certainly something where I don't think he should have got off scot free in any case, but you're right. We can lament about referees in every game that we watch in the NHL. That's just part of, part of the sport and the story. <laughs> anyway, that's the preamble to this week's show. We've got a lot to cover AJ and it's my turn to bat lead off. As we look at the rosters of all 32 teams today, we're really going to focus on the most likely players to be moved next week. As we take the usual deep dive here, noting club records, Two for the past seven days, and players scoring over the last seven days as well. But the focus will be on, as you suggested, a look toward the play the trade deadline and see who was going to be moving from the sellers and who the buyers might be having an interest in, or what position they really need to address. We touched on a bit last week, but we got to really sharpen our pencils this week. So I'll begin by looking at Anaheim, a team that's really looking like it can't wait for the end of the season. Now they're five games into a winless streak at the moment. And they've had to shuffle things around because they've got a couple of injuries with Brian gets and, and Jacob Silverberg, uh, two guys who are responsible for a lot of the scoring that has gone on here in the last few years. Though Silverberg has taken a dive and in, into the depth uh, part of the roster. They're both key pieces. They'll be missing. And they've had to shuffle the deck back- a little bit. And uh, two guys that I'm looking at in terms of trade possibilities are both pending UFAs, veterans on the squad. We already saw one defenseman move. We could see another one in Hampus Lindholm, AJ. He's a guy who fits the profile of a, a top four defender and a guy who can help the power play for a team that's looking for assistance in that or depth in that space. And Ricard Raquel is a guy who can play up or down your lineup. He's played anywhere from first line to fourth line minutes in Anaheim. And so those are the two guys that I think they're going to try and shop around at the trade deadline by Monday. I expect one or both of them to be gone from this sunny locale. Well,
1: in Arizona, I mean, I think everybody is on the trade block there um, with with limited exceptions here. Uh, obviously, you know we generally highlight the guys with one, maybe two years left on their uh, uh, on their deal. So that would, you know, put Phil Kessel, Louis Erickson, Nick Ritchie would be a, a two-year rental. Uh, Riley Nash, Alex Galchenyuk, Anton Stroman. But the biggest name that I've been seeing still linked to a move is Jacob Chisholm, who's who's dealing with an injury. But despite that, reportedly both still Boston. Uh, especially is interested in in, um, another team as well. That's suddenly eluding me, but Chicharron drawing interest from multiple teams, uh, despite the fact that he's dealing uh, with, with that knee injury. So that's really interesting uh, that they're still looking at it. I think the hard part for any team trying to bring him in is when are you getting him back? Right. Um, But ultimately these are going to be playoff teams that, you know, that's the priority. You want the guy ready for the playoffs. And so, um, that'll be the key, but I would expect Arizona to sell maybe more than one piece as they head into the, the trade deadline on Monday with Chisholm likely being the focal point. I look at
0: the Boston Bruins. They're one of the hottest teams in the last few weeks, AJ. They certainly closed the gap on the top three teams in the Atlantic Division, making a four-team race all of a sudden. And they're doing it with holes both on their defense and at forward. They're going to be looking to address a top-four situation because I think Mike Riley is kind of miscast in the top-four role there. I see him more as a third-pairing guy. And they have certainly got depth options there with Derek Forbert and Connor Clifton but I don't think he's a guy that should be in their top four mix. If they can get a guy, maybe Hampus Lindholm is a nice fit, a good puck carrying guy to go along with uh, Charlie McAvoy in that vein. Cause the rest of the guys are more noted for the defensive side of the puck and uh, up front offensively. I think they could look for an upgrade on that second line at, if they could upgrade at center over Eric Halla or Charlie Coyle, I think that would be something of a priority for them because they, those guys have been bounced around all season long in that second uh, line situation, not really holding on but, uh, or grabbing and making their own for the whole season. So there is a bit of a doubt there in my mind that uh, they can't stay the status quo uh, in that uh, top six. So those are two areas that I, I think they're looking to address in uh, the past week. They've had, Jeremy Swayman coming up with another two wins. Maybe they've got their goalie of the future here. Quietly, he came on the scene and, and he's outperformed his counterpart there by miles all season long, and the other guy got a five-year extension. So I think there's got to be a little bit of a and eye when you look at Linus Olmark, who has been outdueled by uh, a raw
1: rookie, I would say, and uh, Swayman full value for what he's done this season. Yeah, Paul. Just add, you know, from everything that I that I've seen, it seems like Boston uh, is, you know, in on Chisholm. And then if it doesn't work or they're too concerned about the injury, then then Hampus Lindholm will be the the secondary option there. So I definitely think, like you said, a, a D man is is a priority here. In Buffalo, they potentially will have a, a defenseman available, Colin Miller is a name that's been tossed around. Now he's been sidelined with an injury for a while here, um, but by all accounts, he's set to get back in action for them uh, tomorrow. So that's a, that's a really good uh, timing for them. If Miller can come back, play a game, maybe show uh, where his, you know, where his game is at right now, after that absence, he will definitely be a candidate as well. And then another name I've seen out there is actually Craig Anderson, uh, 40 years of age, He's obviously not going to win the Stanley cup with Buffalo picked up two wins this last week with just three goals allowed. So he's playing really well. His contract is minimal 750,000. So pretty much any team in the league could fit him in. Uh, So that'll be another one to watch is to see uh, if they move Craig Anderson uh, before Monday, you know, where he might end up. There's a couple of teams that have been linked to possibly needing backup netminders. Um, you know, hey, maybe uh, maybe your Leafs want to go with a different Anderson as their as their net. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, it, what definitely two players to watch, but obviously Buffalo being heavy sellers heading into the, the deadline.
0: A.J. Carolina has gone to the top of the standings in the NHL this season, and on merit, they have a lot of skill up front. They have a nice group of defensemen, and they have a rejuvenated Freddie Anderson in goal, who's had an outstanding season and is in the Vesna Trophy discussion. At least, if uh, if continues his recent stumble, he opens the door for some competition because he's been a runaway guy, a leader in the clubhouse almost but uh, i look at the carolina roster partner and i see that they might like to take a look at an upgrade on their second line. Yep, they have wingers like Jordan Martinook, Nino Niederreiter, Martin Netzcash, all of those guys have been in and out of the second uh line situation. And I think that there's an opportunity to upgrade the six pack up there, and uh, I like the development of Andre Svechnikov. he's now a fixture on the top line with Ajo and they're reunited uh, ajo's reunited with Terbinen, and he had a very nice week to Ajo did uh, to lead the team in scoring with three goals but uh, they're looking to augment this offense a little bit. And uh, they had a bit of a worry with the Tony D'Angelo situation. He was on the IR for a bit, but I understand that he's going to be coming off it soon and may even suit up against the Maple Leafs in that clash tomorrow night here in Toronto. So that's a bit of a, burden off, the, off their backs. But it may be a clear signal, too, that they might want to take a look at getting more, a little more depth on their back end, too. So an opportunity for a couple, couple more moves, just as Boston before with the Carolina Hurricanes.
1: Well, Calgary, as you remember, already made uh, some some waves when they brought in Tyler Toffoli. And what really is, you know, considering he's got this year plus two more, that's really more of a hockey deal than, than a trade deadline rental um, so they're going to be pretty limited, I think, on where they're looking now. They have still been tied to maybe trying to bring a defenseman in. Uh, you look at their lineup right now, and there's certainly you know uh, a some need there. Uh, Oliver Shillington has been really good for them, but he's been very quiet of late in terms of production. Uh, you know, Rasmus Anderson uh, is a guy that's been holding it down, but you could certainly see how another person could fit in here. And one name that I've heard linked to them, although he's been linked to seemingly half a dozen different clubs, is Ben Uh, We'll We'll talk a little bit more about him when we get to Montreal and other possible destinations. But I do think he'd be a nice fit here and give them some more options. They really don't need to address their forward concerns after getting to Foley. And certainly the goaltending has been solid with Markstrom, who picked up another two wins this week, including a shutout. AJ in Chicago. will begin with the goaltending situation because one, Mark Andre Fleury has
0: uh, holds all the cards right now. It's up to him whether he wants to move to a contender or essentially fill out finish up uh, the rest of his contract obligation in Chicago this season and become a uh ufa next year if he wants to extend his career or maybe continue it in chicago with an extension who knows but the, the ball's certainly in his court and right along with him is kevin lankan and a pending ufa i don't think they're going to have both of these guys in the fold next year so maybe we'll wait and see in the offseason if they sign La- La- lankan into a long-term deal uh, it could be a, a certainly shouldn't be a big dollar deal but it should be also a signal that Mark Andre Fleury may not return. So there's a lot to unpack there in the goaltending situation. And Fleury's been linked with a number of contending teams. If he should choose to make a playoff run this year, And who wouldn't want him in the fold? If you have some goaltending issues, this guy is definitely uh, an upgrade over a lot of situations that uh, are in front of some playoff-bound teams. And then up front, we can put the notion of Patrick Kane Being Dangle, I raised that a week or two ago, and I think I'm going to downplay it because I don't see him moving. It's a big ticket item, a 10 million plus. But I was just wondering if a team would like to get him for essentially two playoff runs this year and next. That would be the attraction if they could find a way for Chicago to retain some money that, that he might be on the move. But I really don't see that now. He added another four assists to his ledger, just continues to chug along there offensively. And it's nice to see Jonathan Tays participating in the offense too. AJ, two more goals and one assist for him. But the name that confuses me, I don't quite get Brandon Hagel being dangled. Uh, I mean, he's got two more years at $1.5 million cap hit and has really developed a scoring touch this year that nobody really forecast. And he had three goals and one helper last week to help lead this team. So I don't really understand that he'd be on the trade deadline. But I do get that uh, one of the guys that's a pending UFA and and a veteran defenseman, Calvin DeHaan, is a guy that I expect should be moved by the Hawks and should be of interest to a number of teams. He's one of those guys that's more of a stay-at-home type. He does some offensive skill, but I think he's more known as a shutdown D. And if you're looking for help in that regard, he's a solid candidate to be moved uh, in my estimation.
1: For Columbus, uh, the focal point is going to be, uh, of course, uh, Max Dome, who you have long been lobbying your Maple Leafs to, to bring in. and uh, Makes perfect sense. <laughs> I, I, I actually agree with you. I think he would be a good fit with the Leafs. Um, you know, he's got a last year of a $5.3 million contract. Um, so obviously they, uh, would have to probably retain some salary. They can retain up to half of the salary. Um, I do think it would be somewhat of an indication that, uh, you know, to, Bringing in Domey was a bit of a bust, although Josh Anderson's numbers haven't been great uh, in Montreal either. And just interesting, you know, the the names that are linked together here. When you consider Montreal got Dome from uh, Arizona for Alex Galchenyuk, neither guy uh, did much on on those teams. Then Dome gets traded again to Columbus for Josh Anderson. Uh, so, word of caution maybe for those Leafs fans that, uh, you know, sometimes bringing in Max Dome isn't always the best move. Um, but I do think he would add to that lineup and and definitely be a good piece for the Leafs. Um, and, and uh, you know, as far as Columbus goes, there's not any big names that really jump out other than Dome. Uh, as far as who could go, you know, Gustav Nyquist maybe, uh, 5.5 is a cap hit sign for one more year. He's 32. Uh, but I don't really see a need for them to, to try and get rid of him quite yet. Um, since they have that other year. So those are really the only two names that stood out to me on this Columbus squad.
0: Aj, Colorado is another team that's loaded for bear. We already talked about two trades that they made. I'm certain they're going to make at least one more, and I think it's going to be an impact forward. We talked about Claude Giroux as a as a name that could be that guy, and uh, I, I'm looking for him to go up to either Florida, or Colorado, or Colorado, as I said. But but you look at Colorado's situation on the wings, and that's why where you think, okay, maybe they will definitely upgrade because while well, Val Nichishkin has had a very nice year, career best, I would say. He's locked in a first-line role here because Gabriel Landeskog is out maybe for for weeks, uh, and and so they've got to really consider his situation as well in terms of how high they go in terms of quality that they want to bring in. If there's any concern about Landeskog, for sure. But all all things that we know so far are that Kent Landeskog should be all right for the start of the playoffs and maybe come back sooner, but. It's just a signal that this team really wants to augment their top six because behind Nichushkin, I can mention Alex Newhook is is penciled in as the second-line left wing, and you know that they want to upgrade over that. So look for look for Colorado to be focused in that regard. I think they have a lot of pieces on defense now with the addition of Manson. I don't think that that's a big concern, though maybe they could get a, a low-end rental for a low draft pick too, to fix up that situation. And in goal, I think they're in good shape with Kemper and Frank, who's Kemper's had an outstanding season and he added to it with another great week last week.
1: For Dallas. Look, if you had asked me a week ago, uh, the two names that would have come to mind were Braden Hopi and John Klingberg uh, as, as potential trade targets, but by all accounts, neither guy is going to be leaving at this point. Uh, Klingberg for his part, um, they're likely going to have to need him uh, because Miro Heiskanen is considered out indefinitely, week to week, with with mononucleosis. So it's unclear when he might be back. So you don't really trade Klingberg when you're missing, you know, your other, you know, top two defensemen. Um, the only thing that you know I had seen is if they could get an offer big enough, early enough, where they could then go out and bring somebody else in. Um, that they would consider moving Klingberg, but there's so many moving parts there uh, that it just seems unlikely. Similarly, Braden Hopi, who has been dealing with an injury, but is working his way back right now, likely has to stick around in Dallas because Anton Hudobin underwent season ending hip surgery. He obviously would have been the replacement as the backup to Jake Ottinger if they had traded Hopi. So, like I said, a week ago, I think both these guys are on the block, but now uh, it looks like neither will be going anywhere.
0: In terms of what's gone on in Detroit, most recently a six-game winless streak, so that's the bad news. But the good news is, is Lucas Raymond continues to score and lead this team offensively almost with another three goals this past week. And, mm-hmm. and as well, Moritz Sider continues to make a case as the best defenseman in this rookie class as well. That's the good news. And other good news is Jacob Vrana finally made his season debut and got the two goals in out of the first four games that he's played for this squad. And is a, another reminder of another good piece that they've added in the top six here offensively. And when all hands on deck uh, are in place in, for Detroit, you're going to have to outscore this team. And they've got some talent there uh, on the back end. They're going to be looking at possibly parting ways with Nick Letty. I think that's a guy that they, they should dangle out there. He's a guy that's had some offensive upside throughout his career and also plays well in the in defensive zone. So a good two-way defenseman veteran who would solidify and, and add certain qualities, those certain qualities, to any team almost that that uh, is looking for it. And uh, he's the pending UFA, as I as I mentioned, uh, with uh, with a lot of pedigree. So uh, look for him to be on the move in that situation. And uh, Gagne is another guy, a fo- veteran forward, three points last week. Uh, just shows that he has the ability to score, but he's been more of a depth player. He's played certainly in top six in his career, but more of a bottom six type guy, uh, good size, good skill, and a lot of experience would help uh, bottom sixes uh, around the league. So those are two players that I think Detroit could easily move this week.
1: As far as potential acquisitions for the Edmonton Oilers, look, I think it's going to come just simply from getting guys back into the lineup. Yessi uh, Puyarvi is set to play tomorrow. If they, if and when they get Ryan Nugent Hopkins back, that'll be a big boost to them. Chris Russell potentially on the back end is going to get uh, ready for them tomorrow as well. So really, those are kind of the big additions that they would make. And then, of course, they signed Evander Kane. Uh, earlier uh, in the season. So I don't expect Edmonton to really be doing that much in terms of additions. Um, You know, they would need, you know, kind of minimal guys and it'd be kind of just holding down the fort until they get fully healthy. I think all the pieces are there uh, for them to, to make the playoffs this year. Other than we've talked, both of us Paul have talked about net minding being a problem but it's hard to argue against upgrading your nets when Miko Koskinen has three wins in his last three outings with, with nine goals allowed there. Uh, Mike Smith is going to get the start for their next game. But I think overall, uh, you know, they obviously feel comfortable in the net mining and, and Koskinen has been playing better.
0: In Florida, this team just continues to roll along. They were undefeated in three starts last week, two wins and overtime lost. And uh, the offense continues to carry the day. Huberto, six points, and another two goals. Vetrano left the team after scoring two goals last week, so he's left on a high. Uh, Reinhardt, uh, three goals and a helper. Barkov with three assists, so everything's picking and boffing offensively. But they do need one more piece up front. And, of course, we've talked about Claude Giroux. But there are other guys that, you know, maybe Raquel makes a fit, a fit over there. Uh, certainly, you got to look at maybe... Kali Yarncrock from Seattle is a guy that will probably be on the move and and could help bolster the six-man six, six man attack in the top two lines here. And uh, Domi would be a nice fit. So there's a whole di- number of different ways they could look. Andrew Kopp is another guy. These are all going to be considerations for all the teams looking for forward, and any one of them would be a nice fit to the Florida situation. That's definitely the area of need that I've identified. I like the look of their defense, so I'm not too concerned about that. And they're going to trust Bobrovsky at night in goal for the playoffs. And I think, I think they're hoping that Bobrovsky just continues doing what he's doing. He has an outstanding season, finally looking like the value that's uh, on his paycheck every couple of weeks.
1: The other team that I forgot was tied to Jacob Chishrin is the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, They were linked to bringing him in. And that makes a lot of sense when you check out their depth chart over on rudderwire.com cheap plug for that. Um, when you consider they've got Edler, Dowdy, Walker, Matt Roy now, or Matt Wild now rather, all on IR, Thomas Bjornfoot is dealing with an injury as well. So, you know, they're they're top four right now, Oli Mata, Jordan Spence, Sean DeRuzzi, and Jacob mover. I think uh you need some more help <laughs> based on that group. And then if you can combine, you know, getting some of those other guys back similarly on On the front end um it's it's more like Edmonton here like if they could get Dustin Brown, Victor Arbison andreas Athanasiou, Brendan Lemieux like if they can get all those guys healthy um that could potentially you know help them make their case uh for a potential playoff run here i mean they're they're obviously sitting second right now in the Pacific with the number of injuries that they have. It may be hard to hold on to that spot right now. Uh, and adding a piece like Jacob Trishman would be a huge stopgap for, for the time being.
0: In Minnesota, they have uh, shuffled the deck at center. They've got Ryan Hartman's had an outstanding year locked in at number one center role. But Frederick Gaudreau and Yola Eriksson have volleyed back and forth for that second line situation. Now you can throw Tyson Yost into the mix, but I wonder if they'll be looking to get another piece in there. And the guy that I'm thinking about is the aforementioned Andrew Kopp to bring some more size. And this this team seems to like them big up front, and they have a huge average size among their forward ranks. and And cop would only add to that, so uh, I, I see the dotted lines connecting there for a team that right now is the healthiest among all NHL clubs. They went one, one and one last week. And man, Matthew Boldy's been, been found money for this team. AJ three more goals for, for the rookie who is really climbing up the ranks in terms of the scoring race for the rookie leadership. Nobody's talking about him as a serious candidate yet, but if he puts another 20 games together, like he, he has so far, he'll be right in the mix there. That's how good he's been. Kirill Kaprasov with two goals. Zuccarello with two goals and one assist. Fiala with three assists. But here's the concern for this team, AJ, looking ahead to next year. They have to be really concerned about what they're going to do with Kevin Fiala. I don't see how they're going to be able to keep this guy. So he may not – he might – he probably won't be a guy that is dealt at the trade deadline. They're going to probably sink or swim with him this season to give him the best shot to advance. But I don't know how they retain him in the off season. And I think he's going to be one of the biggest names moved in the, in the summer. So uh, a swan song looking at, looking like it's in place for Seattle in Minnesota.
1: Well, just counter real quick on that, Paul, they do have uh, Alex Goligoski counting five mil against the cap, getting him off next year. Um, would would certainly help. They've got a buried cap in terms of Victor Rask as well. Um, the problem is, as soon as you say those good things, I, I just happen, we're looking, I'm sure both of us looking over at our friends at Cap Friendly. Yeah. Um, their dead cap hit for buyouts on Parisi and Sutter jumped from 4.7 million this year to 12.7 million next year that's I, where i was going I, I rescind what i was saying paul i don't know how they're going to keep kevin fiala <laughs> when you're paying uh parisi and sutter a combined 12.7 million for cap hits so that's i it. i stand corrected paul i had not scrolled far enough down to uh, be reminded <laughs> of that <laughs> look uh i'll lead us into montreal then We have mentioned uh, Ben Sherratt already. He was scratched from their game last night um, to avoid him getting hurt. So he's clearly going to be moved, Uh, has been linked to a number of teams, including we mentioned him with Calgary, Florida, St. Louis tied to him as well. And then of course, uh, probably the biggest one that we've seen out there is the hurricanes who were reportedly in on Josh Manson, but missed out on him. And so, uh, potentially are going to go after uh, Ben Sherratt here instead. I've seen Arturi Likinen tied to a potential move as well. I, I'm not as sold on that being a, a good decision by them when you consider that, you know, he's he's going to be an RFA instead of a, a UFA, so they don't lose him outright. He is, you know, he is only uh, 26 years of age, so still got some time to, you know, continue to to play and develop. So, um No, we'll see what happens. But I I don't know that I personally would make that move if I was running the Montreal Canadiens. But of course, a new GM is running the show, a new coach. So, really, I don't think anybody should feel totally safe uh, that you're going to be around next year, except for maybe, I don't know, Jeff Petrie. Like, (laughs) that's probably about it.
0: And in Jersey, AJ, I mean, they're looking ahead to the future to develop what they can. They have some question marks that need to be answered over time. Jimmy Vesey is attending UFA and and could be a spare part that maybe goes somewhere else, but he's jumped around all over the place in his career. The two names that are getting a little bit of traction in terms of possible trade talk, uh, there's some big money attached to both of them. When you look at, P- at PK Subban, a team's going to have to look at the uh, hoping that, uh, that the Devils would retain Half uh, as much of his salary as they can, up to four and a half million. I think they are eligible because he has a nine million dollar cap hit. And uh, bringing his uh, veteran savvy, I mean, he's lost a step. We know that, and the offensive skills have eroded a little bit. But I still think he he could be a real. Presence. If he's motivated, and and we've seen him play when he's motivated, he's a different. He gives a different look than what he has in Jersey. He doesn't seem very very happy there, to be quite honest. Not fitting in as he's on the wrong end of a career uh, long. Uh, the downside of his career, when really this team's got a young core up front and and around him on the blue line, uh, he's almost a bit of a mis- misfit here. So uh, I think if he could find greener pastures, that. Where he fits in more, more alongside people who are near his age group uh, in a good core, he could be a real nice piece. And uh, then the other piece on the back end that is more uh, more intriguing for me is Damon Severson. I've followed this guy from the time he was in the AHL and got a lot of looks at him, and I really liked his game. And really, he's starting to put it together the last couple of years. And and uh, still not the big dog here when you consider they have other options among the defenders to take the big power play role, uh, looking at you, Doug, Dougie Hamilton when you're healthy. And then Ryan Graves is another piece in that regard. So Severson's got a cap hit of $4.1 million this year and next. So a team would get him potentially for two playoff runs. If, if, uh, the rumors are correct though, he is available on the New Jersey roster.
1: Down in music city, the predators, I really have not seen them linked to really anybody. Um, you know, it could be a factor of them not – there's not any glaring needs as, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they obviously have solid defensemen that's been a staple of the Predators forever. UC Saros is their number one guy. You know, maybe they would consider uh, a, a cheap backup, maybe like a, a Craig Anderson uh, to come in. Riddich has had some struggles at points during the season – and maybe a middle six forward um, if they felt like they needed that as well. But I really don't see any huge glaring sp- spots. And, and maybe that's why I haven't seen them mentioned in any kind of trade speculation. Paul, I don't know if you've seen anything different, um, but that that's what I'm seeing out of them. I think they're going to ride for the most part with the team that they have that's being led uh, by that top line right now of Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson and, and Matthew Shane who's really had uh you know resurg- resurgent season this year.
0: Well, that's because they, they've got resurgent seasons from a couple of guys on this roster that that they maybe feel confident in saying, let's go with what we have and take a run at this thing and uh you know what? They're going to be a tough out because they've got the solid goaltending. They've got one of the premier defensemen in the league. They have a, a rebirth uh, from a couple of guys up front that we've talked about at length and Duchesne and, and Johansson, who's leading or leading the pack offensively, and Philip Fordberg, one of the best snipers in hockey. So a lot to like about what this team has. I could see them maybe tinkering around the edges if they can do it on the cheap, but that's about it. And like you, I haven't heard any other rumors about that. In terms of the Islanders, this team is kind of playing some of its best hockey of the year right now, AJ. They went 3-0-1 last week. And Anders Lee is a guy that I'll talk about uh, people who are nearing the trade deadlines in their own fantasy pools. This is a guy, if you're looking at upgrading your offense, this is a guy who's on fire right now. And he was among the top scorers with six goals last week on a resurgent Islander team that's finally looking like it was expected to play all season by you and me Uh, not not the worst ad in the world if you if you can pry him off a, a non-contending team in your in your fantasy league. So there's a little bit of a fantasy hockey tip there specifically. And you look at the rest of the offense. I'm telling you, they're getting it from all kinds. Brock Nelson three goals and two assists for one of his best weeks. So the same thing that I said applies to Lee for, applies to him. And Josh Bailey with seven points. Bovillia with six assists. They filled the net. Uh, last week, in fact. If you're looking at a trade piece here, I think it's going to be a depth defenseman like uh, uh, Scott Mayfield, Uh, AJ, is the guy that I'm looking at. He's a third-pairing guy here uh, and would be a third-pairing guy at best in most other circumstances. One of those guys who's really good at clearing the front of the net and, uh, you know, he fits the Ben Sherratt profile, I guess. He's Ben Sherratt light because he comes in much cheaper and uh, probably would cost less in terms of acquisition fees, but you got to deal with a slide fox there Lou Lammarello he could drive up the price tag in a trade negotiation.
1: Well, the other New York club, the Rangers, I think probably made uh, maybe their, their one potential move here. And if they do anything else, I think it'll be very similar, a kind of tinkering around the edges. You have to remember Capo Caco, Sammy Blay, and Kevin Rooney are on IR. So those would be, you know, depth additions. And, and that's maybe the one thing that you would think that they need maybe some more depth forwards it's probably why they went out and get got Frank Vetrano they're set in goal their their defense is outstanding and look they you know they have 5 million available 5.8 actually available in cap space but you got to think beyond this season they've got Adam Fox still making less than a million dollars on his entry level contract that's going to jump to 9.5 million dollars next season so they you know have to think about what they can make work and what they can fit in next year as far as that goes. So I think this is another team that if they do something else, it'll be very similar to the Frank Vitrano deal. Um, And somebody probably that's on an expiring contract, maybe they'd take somebody with one more year left. And in Ottawa,
0: it's obviously a selling environment for them. And uh, I'll dispense with what they did last week. It was a decent week, one win and two losses. But the decent part was that they got performances from some of the signature pieces as usual, but a couple of guys who've been um, uh, sliding in, uh, in prior weeks, Norris and Brown up front combined for a total of seven points. Norris with four goals, Brown with two goals and one assist. So you've got to be happy that they finally have uh, shown a bit of a return to form and you wonder if it can be a long-term thing. Certainly Connor Brown, one of the leaders of this team in the dressing room, uh, hasn't had the offensive upside that he had last year, and maybe he'll finish strong here. Artem Zub's another guy that I think is is a, a lot to stick around here. Got three more assists last week, but really a good presence in the defensive end there and a good piece that they can build around on the back end with him and Chabot. And then uh, the, among the vault, the pieces that are available in the trade situations that might surround them in the nets. Anton Forsberg is a guy who's been uh, rumored uh, to be on the move. He's a bargain in terms of the price tag, $900,000 cap hit and uh, could be a, a player that signs an extension wherever he lands as a, as a solid number two or a one B would be an ideal candidate in that regard. I think, Ottawa's more committed to Philip Gustafsson and they definitely have a lot of money tied up in Matt Murray, who's sidelined right now. So they would have to find a, a depth piece from their minor leagues to replace For- Forsberg, but that's a minor concern. Uh, he would be more valuable as a trade piece, I think, at this time. And I also think that maybe they got another piece that they can look at in Nick Paul up front. He's a guy that that uh, can play up and down a lineup. He's a low cap hit again at 1.35 million and uh, has shown the ability to be a streaky scorer. And when he's on, he's, he's worthy of a top six spot on a number of teams.
1: Obviously in Philadelphia, Claude Giroux is going to dominate the news cycle and everything seems to be pointing to either Colorado or Florida. Myself, I I seem to, I'm feeling, I lean towards Colorado, I think is where he's going to end up, but Again, I think both teams are still in play. They're they're making moves to try and build cap space to try and fit him in there. Obviously, for Colorado, um, they can play that that lightning uh, lightning playbook and potentially have Landeskog on IR until uh, the playoffs. Obviously, Vegas using using that that same ability as well right now with with Mark Stone on LTIR. But outside of Claude Giroux. I do think, you know, maybe some of their defensemen, they've got four guys um, that are going to be UFAs next year that could draw some interest. Justin Braun, Keith Yandel, Kevin Conanton, and Nick Steeler. Obviously, Yandel and Braun, um, probably the bigger names. Their cap hits are pretty manageable. They're both going to be, you know, they're both 35 years of age, so uh, you are getting them on the the back half of their careers, and I think they could both – Offer some some value to to teams out there that are looking to make a push. Marty Jones technically will be a UFA, but I just don't I just don't see a team wanting him based on what he's done this year and, and the struggles he's had in past seasons when with San Jose. So I'd be surprised if there was a team that was calling to acquire him and, and give something up to to bring in Martin Jones right now. Okay, partner, I'm going
0: to give you something to think about because we're going to talk about Pittsburgh when we come back from our break. I have a name that I'm going to throw out at you, and I'm curious to hear your reaction in terms of a possible acquisition for the Pens and hear, obviously, what you think is in store for your club. But before we go there, let's take a break, and we'll be back with our look at the remaining teams and our DFS plays out of tonight's schedule on Rotowire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be back right after these messages.
4: Support your journey to wellness at B I O P T I M I Z E R S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
0: All right, we're back, but let's have another reminder for ways for our listeners to reach out to us during the week. Over to you, AJ. <laughs>
1: Yeah, obviously, we're talking about a lot of trades here. So uh, we would love to hear what you think about some of the potential trades we've talked about, what trades you think your team should make. Um, we would love to have those discussions with you over on Twitter. You can follow me at AJ AJScholes24. You can follow Paul, the statsman, at Statsman22. Let's have some trade discussions as we head into to Monday over on Twitter.
0: All right. Well, I'll have a little thing to say about Pittsburgh. They went 2-1 and one last week. Tristan Jerry picking up the wins, uh, four goals against in the two outings. So he's looking like he's at the top of his game. Ditto for Chris Letang with three helpers. Carter with three points. Crosby with three points. But I'm thinking there's room for one more addition offensively if they want to take a big swing with uh, their signature pieces. and Maybe one last kick at the can, AJ, with this trio uh, of guys that have been key players and, and your favorite players for the last dozen years, it seems. And I'm going to throw the name Brock Besser out and see if that's a, a piece that you think that they could fit into their situation and somebody who might fill fill a real need.
1: Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I, I think the ties to Vancouver are are real and they're strong with the fact that Jim Rutherford is running the show over there now. Um, I've seen names like John Marino and Marcus Pedersen both tied to potential moves uh, to uh, to Vancouver for either JT Miller, which would be harder to fit in. He's going to be pricier for the Penguins or Brock Besser. Uh, I think either player would be a great great addition to to the forward group and would address exactly what they need. They need additional scoring. Uh, you know, forwards that can play alongside that uh, center core of Crosby, Malkin and Carter. So, yeah, I I love that idea. And and hopefully, uh, hopefully it it happens here in Seattle. Look, uh, Mark Giordano likely going to be traded. He's sitting tonight in order to avoid getting hurt. So the first captain in franchise history will now be traded away before the season even winds up <laughs> a bit of a surprise there um from that side of it but you know he does fit the bill as a veteran defenseman who's on an expiring contract who obviously would like to go and win somewhere um and so you know in some ways good on Seattle for even being willing to to discuss that another name for them too Callie Yarncrock uh has been tossed around I haven't seen confirmation that he's not going to play tonight, but um, it, it's certainly in the mix. Uh, so that'll be one to watch. If if anybody else other than Giordano sits tonight, it could be an indication that that player is is potentially on the block and, and going to be shipped out. So name definitely a name to watch and, and see where it goes. Um, you know, I'm not sure – If there's anybody else that really stands out, uh, you know, Marcus Johansson is going to be a UFA as well. So maybe that's a a possibility there. Um, But again, the big piece for them will be Mark Giordano.
0: And AJ, that brings me back into the fold and I get to talk about the which team are we at now?
1: (laughs) San Jose,
0: San Jose, very good. Thank you. I fell asleep there for a bit. <laughs> uh, San Jose went two and one last week. Thomas Hurdle is the guy that's in trade talks uh, for this team. He's got a he's got a week in in the back pocket where he came up with six points, three goals and three helpers. So that's going to only drive the price tag up. Should he be moved, Evo Meyer is a guy that will be here for the longer haul, four points more from him. Nick Planino, a guy that you uh, are familiar with with his time in Pittsburgh, continues to be a serviceable piece here. But uh, all the talk here is about who will be dangled. And I think alongside Hurdle, there's a goalie named James Reimer that I know quite a bit about. And I think he might be a guy that could be moved at the trade deadline too for a team that's looking for to shore up their goaltending situation, maybe where there's a 1B type who was leading the pack or a team that's looking for a bit of a boost. And uh, he could certainly provide that in the short term. I'm not sure he can take you on a, a lengthy playoff run because he's never done it in his career, but nonetheless, a veteran goalie if teams are looking to shore, shore up that position. So other than that, though, I think it could be a quiet end of the season in San Jose. I'm not sure they have too many other spare parts that would be of interest to too many other teams.
1: Well, you mentioned uh, two guys there that I'll I'll touch on from uh, stuff that kind of came out today. James Reimer, supposedly tied to your Maple Leafs. They're at least taking a look to see what his status is. And you mentioned a short-term fix. Well, they potentially just need somebody to get through the next two weeks or so. Um, So it would be interesting to see if they pulled the trigger on that. And then Tomas Hurdle going to throw a little bit of water on the trade rumors here, only because reports are that they have begun made some progress on a potential contract extension and obviously if they can get him signed to a longer term deal here they're not going to want to trade him so uh, again two situations to watch out for if those contract talks really fall apart over the next couple of days uh, then then something could could obviously change Uh, the St. Louis Blues are the next team we'll talk about they've been linked just, um, you know, defenseman, you know, I mentioned, uh, mentioned Sherratt there. Um, I, after today's news that Tyler Bozak's going to miss about four, at least four weeks due to injury, I wouldn't be surprised to see them making some calls um, for depth, uh, depth forwards here and to kind of bolster things. They, they should get Robert Thomas back from an illness uh, tomorrow, potentially Pavel Buchnevich as well. So that'll certainly help. Um, but with the fact that Bo Bozak's going to miss at least a month, uh, I, I would expect them to maybe make some calls on some forwards. I think they're set in goal. Um, I actually don't, don't mind their defense as it is right now, but if you can improve it with the right guy, uh, you know, you're always open to that. Uh, this is a team
0: that I'm telling people to watch out for, AJ, just because, you know, they have the injured parts that you mentioned, one long-term potential with Bozak, but two short-terms, and they've moved their forwards from left wing to center to right wing. They've got a lot of guys that can play anywhere up and down the roster. I love the flexibility, and at playoff time, you need to have that nimble uh, aspect to your to your lineup that that allows you that the, the opportunity to tinker with it if things aren't going well, they can really shuffle the parts around and not lose anything like other teams might uh, because they don't have that quality in depth. So something that the Blues do have in their back pocket. I'm going a quandary though what they do in net. Billy Yuso's is clearly outplayed Jordan Bennington, and uh, I, I think he's the guy that I would go to in Game One if the playoffs started this this at uh, this point. So I would never have admitted that earlier in the season, but Hsu looks clearly like the guy right now. In Tampa, you know they had a losing week. They've lost three of their last four games. But is anybody concerned really about the two-time defending champs? I say no, absolutely not. And the reason is because they still have that quality up front, that quality on the back end, and certainly the best goalie in the world for my money in Andre Vasilevsky. Still, until uh, he gets beat in a seven-game series, he's my number one in this league at the moment. And uh, offensively, I think that might be an area where they tinker. They usually do go shopping for guys that can play third line minutes here. I mean, certainly Corey Perry's done a very nice year in this regard, but he was a fourth liner much of last season. And I think that they could do with a bit of an upgrade Uh, along that third line, not necessarily pointing the finger at him, but maybe uh, an upgrade or Matthew Joseph as well. Just pushing those guys to play harder when they're on the ice They're they're going to give you other than you got, but if they can put more talent on that third and fourth uh, lines, that's where I think the focus will be. I think they're set at every other position. They've got seven, clearly seven guys that can play on the blue line. So maybe they're looking for an eight piece there. So quality uh, up and down and just looking for a bottom six or bottom pairing guy is the shopping list
1: here. Well, as Paul will tell you in Toronto, everybody is going there and wants to play for them. So I'm sure they're in on everybody we've mentioned today, Claude Giroux, Ben Sherat I'm sure they they're going to try and get both Chikrin and Klingberg in there, Hampus oh Lindholm, um, just, you know, at all, all available players, all roads leave to Toronto. But Paul, before I kick it over to you, um, I will toss out one serious name that I have heard, potentially linked to the Maple Leafs. And that's Jacob Middleton from San Jose. Um, It comes in at a 725 cap hit. He's played minutes with Burns and Carlson. So he is that kind of shutdown guy that compare with a more offensively minded, uh, you know, player Uh, tied to in addition to Toronto has been linked to Tampa Bay and Boston as well. How would you feel about Jacob Middleton? Well, he adds more size and a little more bite, and they, they need both of those qualities
0: for sure. But I think they're going to aim a little bit higher in terms of the quality, overall quality of player that they want to plug in on the back end. And I think the more I think about it, the more it makes sense. Mark Giordano seems to be an ideal fit here, his longtime partner. T.J. Brody's already here and he's been magnificent for the Maple Leafs this season. And I can only imagine that his game would even find another higher level if he could play with his longtime partner again. I don't think the price tag will be high on Giordano like it is on a couple of the other signature uh, top defensemen that are out there in the marketplace. So uh, uh, Toronto native. He has a chance to finish up his career in Toronto with his longtime defense partner. I think it makes too much sense, and it won't cost a lot. Uh, they have about $5 million, just shy of $5 million, to fit under the cap, and uh, the residual of his cap might eat up a big chunk of that. But I still think that they have another move in them because they need to shore up. Uh, you can make a case for them shoring up uh, all three, forward defense and a net, They're probably only going to be able to do two of them. If you say maybe Giordano is a guy, a candidate, then do they look at a a net mining upgrade with uh, James Reimer, like you suggested? There's a number of ways where it can go, and you're right. A lot of names are being linked to this team because it depends on really which direction they take. Can you imagine if they traded away a guy like Alex Kerfoot and freed up his $3.4 million in cap space, then the gloves are really off and they could go wild and, and, and could really be a focal point of the trade deadline. So I'm waiting with bated breath to see which direction they go in at the deadline, but uh, there's no limit to what they could do. They could even buy, pick up some long-term injury uh, help too, even for next year. If you can, can you imagine if this team took on Shea Weber's contract, for instance? They could go crazy for the next few seasons. It would be a wild times here, I'm sure. But uh, anyway. Enough about that in the make leaf situation. Let's go to Vancouver and see what's happening there, AJ. This is a team like you mentioned. They're they're their new president, uh, Jane Rutherford, has strong ties to Pittsburgh. I think you're right. We're going to see something uh, of a dance between those two teams at the trade deadline. The Canucks, though, they're still entertaining faint hopes about making the playoffs because they they did go two one and one in four games last week, and their players are playing very well. Offensive players are playing very well. JT Miller has been the best. Best scorer in hockey over the last month, you can say, with another 10 points to his record last week. I don't think that guy's moving anywhere, AJ. I don't know. Uh, I think those trade rumors should just be shut down. He's too important to what's going on here, and they've got to find a way to keep him longer term, in my opinion. Quinn Hughes, another signature piece back here, five more points. Uh, Tanner Pearson, uh, a guy who's played third-line minutes elsewhere, really finding a home in Vancouver with four points as well. The tough news here is Elias Patterson injured again, and I feel bad for this guy because he should be the the offensive leader of this team, but really can't stay healthy this season, and that could be something uh, that they're they're really concerned about keeping this guy healthy. It's not a long term hurt this time around, thank goodness, but uh, it's a concern nonetheless. The amount of time that he, he's missed this season, so uh, some concerns about the Canucks long term, but they'll be they'll be a player on Monday.
1: In Las Vegas, I, I don't think there's really much they can do at this point. Uh, they're already stretching the limits of, of LTIR after having brought in Jack Eichel. Um, so I would be surprised to see them really doing much of anything. Now that all of that depends on, you know, it's, it's certainly possible with the number of, uh, they do have a lot of guys on Whoa. reserve right now. So it's possible they could get a little more LTI. Uh, LTIR relief with some of those other guys as well and and then make a move. But I think things are going to be complicated enough for them uh, trying to, you know, if stone does come back before the very end of the season and how they make that work. um, The problem is that, you know, Robin, Robin Leonard is now on injured reserve. Uh, He has already missed three games. So there's no, um, no clear indication that, you know, he's on IR for, you know, how long he's going to be uh, um, out. The problem is Laurent Broussois and Logan Thompson are not standing net miners. It's why Vegas is on a five game losing streak right now. Um, you know, Leonard played in, in one of those games. I'll give him a little bit of credit. It, you know, it's not all the goaltending when you consider they were on the road for all five of those games. Uh, they also have a number, as I said, number of injuries, both to forwards and defensemen. Um, but if if there was a spot where maybe they should be looking to address something for me, it's the net minding. And
0: uh, AJ in Washington, this team might be one of the quieter contending teams at the trade deadline, simply because they are wafer thin in terms of the uh, flexibility under the salary cap at this stage in the season. And the best news that they might get is just from the infirmary where Carl Hagelin and Lara Garzeller are out. These are two veteran guys who've had the, the ability to be part of long playoff runs here and elsewhere in their career. And that could be the biggest boost that this club gets because otherwise, They've got a lot to be thankful for. They've still got the one-two punch at center that the, is the envy of the National Hockey League. But when they get Arzeller in uh, as the third line center, that that's a very nice look in the top nine up front. They might be looking at an upgrade of uh, fourth line center if they could probably tinker around the very edges of of free age of the uh, trade deadline frenzy. But uh, other than that, I I think this is a team stands pat and takes their best swing with with a pretty deep roster offensively. And there might be a bit of a, a battle for the rest of the season in terms of the net mining situation. Vinik Vanasek is uh, nosed ahead of Ilya Samsonov in in that race, uh, had a very nice week last week with two wins and a total of six goals against. That's not great, but still the wins are what counts. And he's been getting them regularly and uh, is nosed ahead of Samsonov in that, uh, in that heated battle in the back end.
1: Finally, in Winnipeg, uh, we're talking about sellers here. And two names that come to mind are Andrew Kopp. Uh, He's 27 years old, 3.64 is the cap hit. So he probably has a little bit more intrigue. But I do think Paul Stastny, who's been moved multiple times uh, in the last several years to try and find a winner, I think could be a candidate there as well um, you know if, if Winnipeg's willing to hold on to the cap for either one of these guys you could get them for under two in terms of cap for, for the rest of this year uh, and that would certainly help make a run so I, I think those are two guys that should be kind of on the radar for um, you know for trade pieces coming out of Winnipeg other than that I don't really see them moving any of their defensemen most of them. Are pretty young, signed to, to longer term contracts. And I think they're probably pretty happy with what they have on the blue line to begin with. And I
0: want to shout out Kyle Connor, AJ. I mean, if he was playing in a hotbed hot in the eastern part of the landscape, there'd be a lot more chatter about what this guy's done. He's almost at 40 goals on the season. He's been a centerpiece to my my teams in fantasy league season long leagues all year. He got eight points for the club last week to lead their attack. And just want to recognize what he's doing out there is uh, not getting the press that I think it deserves. When you talk about one of the leading, league's leading snipers. Now let's turn our attention to the DFS portion of our program, where we put together our FanDuel lineups and DraftKings lineups ahead of a four-game slate tonight. It's a narrow one, AJ. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of pairs uh, of players on both of our rosters. I'm kind of curious where you lead in the building of your DraftKings lineup ahead of tonight's games.
1: Well, for me, I'm going to go heavy into Tampa Bay, um, but not from the not from the onset here. Um, going to use a bit of a Actually, I lied. I'm going heavier than Tampa than even I thought. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to start off with with Anthony Sorelli, 2,900 for for Tampa Bay. Um, They have just a great matchup tonight going up against Seattle, uh, who has really struggled on the penalty kill uh, and in general on the season. Sorelli going to fill a top six role for them tonight, playing alongside Point and Palat. So for that low, low price tag, I think he makes a lot of sense. Um, my other center, I'm, I'm going to deviate here from my, you know, all Tampa team and go with Elias Lindholm for Calgary. 6,500 is the price tag. He had been on an eight game point streak prior uh, to, to missing out on that in their last game. I don't think it'll take too long for him to get going. Again, good matchup with New Jersey. They're playing at home. I think it's a good spot to use him. Now is where my lightning stack really comes in heavily here. Uh, starts with uh, Steven Stamkos, who's going to play on the wing, or rather going to play at center. Um, for DraftKings, you do have to put him in the lineup as a as a winger, but I think that just works out for you. You get him at 6,600. I'll pair him up with linemate Nikita Kucherov at 8,000 and even take the third member of that line, Alex Kalorn, for 3,400. Part of the reason for for targeting these guys is that weak-weak penalty kill that uh, Seattle has right now. Kucherov, Killorn, Stamkos are all on that number one unit, so I think it's a good opportunity uh, to to use those guys. Defensively, it's going to be more of the same. For 6,800, I'll use Victor Hedman. That gives me four of the five pieces of that top power play unit. Um, don't really need to go into more on that. I'll go back to Calgary with my other defenseman. Admittedly a bit of a punt play here, kind of just hoping Calgary has a, has a good game, uh, is, is my reason for, for going there. I'm going to use Nikita Zadaroff, 25,000. Um, again, I don't have, you know, he hasn't put up a point in his last five games Decent number of shots over that stretch. He's had uh, nine. It's not great. It's okay. He's had 13 hits. So there's some floor value there. Really what I'm just hoping is he happens to be on the ice when one of his high-powered offensive linemates or teammates uh, picks up a, a goal and he he maybe passes it to him. So yeah. a bit of a punt play, but we're going to roll with it here. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky will be my netminder that's pretty straightforward based on how heavily I've been taking Tampa 8,400 for him and then my last utility spot uh, I'm gonna go with Jake DeBrusque for Boston 4,800 the Bruins are going up against Minnesota but DeBrusque has been uh, back on that first line with Marchant and Bergeron I think that's a good spot to get him in there um, obviously with you know not really a, a big power play guy for them. He's not on uh, the first unit. He should see minutes with the second unit, but hoping uh, to capitalize on that pairing with Marchant and Bergeron. So that's what I did for my lineup. I, I went very heavy into the Tampa Bay lightning for this one. Um, so it's, it's going to be a boom or bust lineup. Obviously if, if Tampa struggles tonight for any number of reasons um, that one's not going to pay off, but if they have a big game, it could certainly work out in my favor. Paul, what does Fanduel look like for you tonight?
0: Well, I'm I'm curious to uh, get your reaction on some of the prices when I quote them because we, you got a few guys that you you talked about that will be in my lineup as well. I like the Tampa heavy stack, and I'm going with three pieces there as well, offensively. And uh, I'm also sprinkling in a little bit of Ottawa, though, because I think that they're at home tonight in a good matchup against Columbus. So those are the kind of cornerstones of my club. And I'm on the other side of the Boston-Minnesota thing. I'm taking a couple of Minnesota players catching Boston on the second of back-to-backs. It was a grueling game last night for the Hawks, uh, the, the Bruins in Chicago. They poured a ton of shots on goal. I think they used up a lot of energy. And uh, on the second of back-to-backs in Minnesota, that's a tough out. Uh, for them I think tonight so I'll begin my look at at the FanDuel roster with Ryan Hartman at center for $5,800 I get a first line center who's got a, a part of a team that's been clicking offensively particularly his unit so I think that's a low price tag for a guy who's averaging over 13 FanDuel points per game this season and I expect him to have a good night tonight Then we go into the Tampa portion of my lineup where I'm picking Braden Point, AJ, for $7,900. Consider what he's worth on your list. But on mine, he came in at $7,900. And I'm going with him as the lone piece of the second line. I've got two-thirds of their first line also in my roster. And Stephen Stankos, also listed as a winger in my setup, AJ, set $8,200 is price tag for the captain tonight. And his winger, uh, longtime winger, Alex Killorn, also uh, comes in north of $5,000, $5,900. In fact, so that's some significant money uh, paid out for Tampa's players. So I had to go cheap elsewhere, and I did so. Uh, In terms of the utility forwards that I picked up, I've got two-thirds of Ottawa's second line in play tonight. Tim Stutzle for $5,100. He's been on a pretty nice run offensively this past uh, couple of weeks, and his running mate for much of that is Alex Formington coming in at $4,600. I think they're going to outscore uh, Columbus and maybe shut them down defensively. I'm counting on that because I'm also putting Anton Forsberg in net for $7,500. I kind of had to go low on the uh, goalie options because I spent so much on Tampa. I mean, you got discounts on some of the players that I that I paid up for AJ. I'm lamenting that a little bit, and uh, I round out my squad with a couple of defensemen that should be in good spots tonight. Jared Spurgeon is the power play quarterback for Minnesota, and I get him for five thousand dollars. Anytime you get a power play quarterback for five grand on the blue line, I'll take him, and uh, it's a good spot for him tonight against. As as I say, what could be a tired Boston crew that rolls in, and then I have to fill in my roster with a guy that's not part of any uh, stacks that I've used uh, to date in this roster. So I had to go outside the box and where better than to pick up a piece of the Calgary game? And I'm going with their first line of defense and Noah Hannafin for $4,900 to round out my squad. So that's my look on the FanDuel side, AJ and. uh, Man, oh man, we're getting into the one of most one of the most exciting weeks in the NHL schedule for me, and that is the trade deadline. I'll be all over this, AJ. I'm refreshing my my phone every fifteen minutes just to see what the latest news is, and it's uh, it's just a great time on the NHL schedule for me. And I know you feel the same way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll drop some last minute uh, trade potential. Nothing finalized yet, but it looks like potentially Dominic Kubalik. To be traded, uh, to either Anaheim or Edmonton. So the the Blackhawks um, potentially moving Kugelik to Anaheim or Edmonton. Uh, latest reports that just came across here. That's interesting because, you know,
0: Edmonton, you'd like to think they're still in the race, but Anaheim certainly isn't. And what's Chicago doing by moving League? I'm not really sure what that could be all about. So an intriguing situation all the way around. And thanks for throwing that out. Uh, Something for our fans, uh, listeners to consider as they listen to the tail end of this podcast. Stay right till the end. You never know what you're going to get out of us. But that was a good nugget, AJ. Thanks for coming up with it. So uh, that's a fine place to stop. And uh, when we get back to you next week, we'll be in our regular Thursday time slot and we'll be reviewing the trades that happen on the Monday. And in the meantime, don't forget to catch us on DraftKings Sweat uh, Run in the morning. Morning's uh, 11 o'clock Eastern to uh, noon every day. We do a hockey hockey segment where either AJ or I or both of us are featured. And I hope we can both be on that that Tuesday one, AJ, because it should be a lot of fun. In the meantime, as always, please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at scholes 24 As always, we invite you to listen to the podcast to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. Enjoy the trade deadline.